What's up, my fellow Mind Marauders, and welcome to another episode of the Secret Society of Marauders. Well, do you ever get that empty, bland feeling from that next Marvel movie that feels you leaving unsatisfied from all the high-budget thrillers that just can't seem to satisfy your, the uh, need to imagine new things? Well, today we're going to talk about Eldritch Horror, which is a board game above the mundane for those of us that like to escape our little muggle selves to... Think about mystery, magic, and international intrigue. But it's not all fun and games, because in Elder Tor you can lose sanity and health in the attempt to fight monsters and the cultists that try to summon these monsters in a hundred different encounters, including even local mobsters. Well, the stakes are higher than ever to prevent the great demon sultan Azazoth and his cronies from invading our world. Just as you're listening to this podcast from all over the world, the investigators you can play as in Elders Horror come from all over the world as well, and they all have one thing in common, to prevent the Ancient One from, awake- from awakening. So grab your double-barreled shotgun, and prepare to take on life-threatening scenarios to prevent doom from advancing towards the apocalypse. Let's dive into the Silver Twilight Ritual, shall we? So, as I mentioned in the intro, we're going to be talking about Eldritch Horror, which is a Lovecraftian board game based on partially of the novels of H.P. Lovecraft. I can just read the the board real quick. The world stands on the brink of catastrophe. The year is 1926, and an elder being of unfathomable power threatens to waken from its long slumber, bringing death and madness in its wake. Strange cults and unspeakable monsters wreak havoc on every continent as the fabric of reality tears itself apart, opening gates to bizarre other worlds. Only a few brave investigators understand what is truly happening. These tenacious souls come from every walk of life to put their skills and weapons against the the threat of the Ancient One. It falls to them to explore the most remote corners of the globe to fight the nightmarish creatures that lurk in the shadows, and to find the answers to the ancient mysteries of this eldritch horror. So clearly, um... This is a very interesting board game, at least in my personal opinion. It's a cooperative board game, so you either win as a team or you lose as a team. Um, some features of it is that you can go around the world and there are different places like Tokyo, London, Tunguska, Pyramids, San Francisco, random uh, spots in the ocean and you know all over the world. And um, your main objective is to solve three mysteries, which is how you win the game. But there are also a lot of other things that you're going to want to do, like improve your character. And different spots on the board tend to improve your character in different ways. For example, if you're in um, San Francisco, you can improve your observation. Or if you're in Sydney, Australia, you can improve your strength. And we can get into what all the different um, traits are that you can have as a character later on. So in this game, you're trying to prevent the Ancient One from awakening. And these Ancient Ones come from H.P. Lovecraft's fiction. The the one that's recommended for beginners is Azazoth. And Azazoth is, according to... Um, this one source online, H.P. Lovecraft, uh, in his books, all of reality is actually part of Azazoth's dream. This kind of reminds me of the whole thing about Archons, 
would they say that um the supernatural beings that manipulate reality and there's also like Cthulhu and a couple other ones um Azoth was reportedly at war with the elder gods and this one one of his editors reminded him of the story of Lucifer at at war with God so the HP Lovecraft novels could be a whole theme in of like by itself so in Eldritch Horror um there are investigators that you can play as and there are 12 in the base game I can just go over I have three that I'm going to talk about um there's one named her name is Diana Stanley and she's the redeemed cultist in Eldritch Horror there are five different traits there's lore influence observation strength and will each of these do different things for example lore will help you in um in spell casting and also it can help you to close gates that may summon uh, monsters into the world um influence that will help you uh acquire more assets and assets can be like weapons they can help you fight monsters they can help you um uh just in general in different ways for example one asset is the silver twilight ritual which is when you gain this card you immediately retreat doom by one and so yes the influence will help you with assets and it can help you each of these can help you in different encounters as well um observation that will help you with getting clues which are very important to solving mysteries usually and three mysteries help you win the game strength is mainly important for fighting monsters um when you encounter a monster your strength will be tested when you're testing will that's also going to be tested by monsters but you can't defeat a monster using will but um will is also comes into um into play when you're closing a gate during another world encounter um it can come into effect during general encounters as well so if if you look at uh each investigator they have different abilities um, if you add up all the numbers of the values of the different characters, um, traits, they all add up to this equal value. So that means that there's not one character that's necessarily better. They just specialize in different things. For, for example, Diana Stanley, the redeemed cultist, she's really good at lore and she has, she starts out with five lore. Um, and four is like, one is really bad and then four is considered very good and five is like way above average. Um, so if I read her introduction, it says, when Diana was initiated into the order of the silver twilight, she believed it to be nothing more than a community organization, but as she learned more of its true nature, she's become convinced that a growing evil threatens the world and that the silver twilight will play a role, a role in, the, in that threat. She believes her best chance to prevent this is to use her position to sabotage the organization from within. Carl Sanford, the head of the order, has rec recognized her skills and recently sent her to Panama for additional training. And this is sort of like the combat mage character. Like, she starts with the spell that helps her with uh, fighting monsters. And each investigator has an action that's unique to that character. And Diana Stanley's is, if there's a cultist monster in your space, discard all monsters on your space or remove the cultist monster in the other space. So that just means that if there's a cultist monster... She can just get rid of all the monsters on its face. And in addition to an action, there's um, an ability that is always active 
for an investigator. And hers is reduce the horror of monsters you encounter to one. So she can only lose one sanity when she when her will is tested when she's fighting monsters. But we can get into that later. And to bring up another example of an investigator, um, there's Norman Withers. He's the astronomer. Also, like I do think that one of the coolest things about this is um, the characters. Um, he starts with three lore, three observation, and four will. So will is his best thing he is the best part about him um he his action is he can spend two clues to discard one monster on a space containing a gate and that is pretty good because he's not very good at fighting so he can just take out monsters pretty easily if he has clues and once per round he can spend one sanity in place of spending one clue clues are pretty important and they are involved in mysteries sometimes. They can also help you re-roll the dice. And we can get to the gameplay later. Um, his quote is, Let them call me a crackpot. Something is happening to the stars. I'm not imagining it. And his description is, The scientific community, community ridiculed Norman for his claim that six stars disappeared from the sky. After exhausting every possible, plausible astronomical explanation for your answers, he took a position at Miskatonic University and began exploring more improbable possibilities in the restricted section of their library. While reading an ancient text of dark prophecies, Norman found an exact description of the phenomenon he'd observed. If the tome is to be believed, a terrible incursion into our world is imminent. So, that's that character. And then the third one I wanted to mention is Trish Scarborough, and she's her occupation. Each of these has like a listed occupation, and Norman Withers is the astronomer. Trish Scarborough is the spy. Um, she is pretty good at fighting since she starts with a um, 45 automatic asset, which gives her a total of 6 strength. Her action is that if she doesn't have any clues, she can gain one clue, which is really good because a lot of mysteries involve clues. Then if an investigator is on her space, um, you can spend a clue to re-roll a die. And then you can actually, in addition, so I messed that up. You can always re-roll a die with a clue, but when someone's on her space, including her, if you re-roll a dice, to, if you spend a clue to re-roll dice, you can re-roll two dice instead of just one die. Um, she has also four observations, so she's pretty good with clues. Which makes sense because she's a spy. Her um, quote is, we lie all the time, but the truth is in there. You just have to know how to decode people. Then her um, description is, everyone expected great things from Trish when she was young. In school, she excelled in athletics and the sciences, but she surprised everyone after graduation by settling into a humble position at a commercial code company. What almost no one knows is that this particular company is a front for the Bureau's code-breaking agency, the Black Chamber. Now she finds herself in the city of Krasnoyarsk, meeting in central Russia, meeting another agent who has important information about an impending threat from a world beyond her own. I find one of the coolest things about this game, like the unique character abilities, and when you're as a team cooperating and trying to figure out what to do, this does change your strategy quite a lot. It also changes your starting position. Definitely, if you want to, it's good to have one person who's really good at like fighting monsters, and someone else who has like some sort of support ability, because you can't win the game by just fighting monsters. 
So to describe how the game works, there are three different phases and phase one is the action phase and you have a few options during the action phase. You can travel, um, you can trade and you can trade spells, assets, you can also heal one health and one sanity. So I forgot to mention with the investigators that um, they start with different levels of health, different maximum levels of health and sanity. So Trish Scarborough has 7 health, 5 sanity, whereas the astronomer has 5 health and 7 sanity. And then Diana Stanley has 7 health and 5 sanity. And then there are some characters that even only have 4 health or 4 sanity. And once that gets to, gets to 0, you can't use that character anymore. And you can actually start with a different character, but um, that's another process to talk about. So when you're playing... Uh, there's this action phase. You can also roll for assets. And what's very important in this game is that a five or a six on the dice is considered a success. So if it says test influence, then you need to get at least one, five or six um, to pass. And if you have like, let's say um, Trish Scarborough has three influence so if she has to test influence, she'll roll three dice. And out of those three dice, if she gets one success, then she is considered a pass. However, when you roll for assets, which is in the action phase, if you choose to do so, you have to get the equal number of successes as you get um, as the as the card is worth. For example, there's this one ca card that says double barreled shotgun and it has a value of four. So you have to get four successes to get this double barrel shotgun, which is really good. It says um, gain plus four strength during combat encounters. In each six-year roll when resolving a strength test during a combat encounter counts as two successes. It's really hard to get these four ones because even if you have four influence, that means you'd have to get four successes and you only have a one-third chance of getting one success. I'm not sure what the st statistical chance of getting four successes out of four would be, but um, you can also gain a travel ticket. So, like, let's say that you're in Istanbul and you don't want to go to like some random, like there are a, var a variety of spaces in Eldritor. Like, there's city spaces. There's sea spaces and there's wilderness spaces and all of these are not on the tiles where you can improve your character which is only in these special cities like um, they are depicted on the art of the board game so if you wanted to stay in Istanbul and you wanted to go to immediately to Rome for example then you could gain one railroad ticket and hang on until the next turn to move so that you can um and then we can talk about the other phases which is important so the second one second phase is the encounter phase this is where you encounter cities or whatever space you're on and each place has its own encounter so europe has its own like deck of encounters and I can read off one encounter for Istanbul. 
So if you were on the symbol space and you drew this card that I got, you would have this encounter that says, Members of the Turkish Parliament offer you help in exchange for clearing a group of cultists out of the shunned mosque. Improve influence. Inside, you interpret a ritual and must resist the effect of its magical energies, testing will. If you fail, lose two health as your skin rises across your body. And that would be the encounter. And then if you fail, then you would lose two health. There are a lot of things like there are a lot of different strategies of going to different places. Like, for example, if you wanted to improve your will or your lore, then you would have to go to Shanghai. If you wanted to be better at spells and lore involves spells and you always have to, um, you always have to, <laughs> that was way too loud. You always have to test lore every time you test um, a spell. So, for example, there's this one spell called Plumb the Void, and it says test lore minus one. If you pass, an investigator of your choice may move to any space, then flip this card. So, this means so there's a zero to one. So, if you get zero or one, ex one success, what happens is you remember the swirling passage to an unknown world opened before you. But did you travel through it? If you did, where did you go? Discard this card unless you gain an amnesia condition. Amnesia is not a good thing. <laughs> and um, I'm not sure exactly what it does, but there's a condition deck where it has stuff like this. And, and then if you ended up getting two successes, then you, bend, then you bend the fabric of space your will, transporting the subject across the globe. No additional effect. So... These can be very good, but they can also backfire against you. Um, I have one example of a condition, which is the Dark Pact condition. It says, uh, roll one die on a one, it is time to fulfill your part of the bargain. Flip this card. Pact with Yogg-Sothoth. The, the blasphemous power takes hold of you, forcing you to carry out the desires of the lurker at the threshold. Spawn one gate for each spell you have, then advance omen by one. Then discard this card. These can be very bad, these conditions. And the odd thing about this game is that it can actually be very fun to like suffer with a bunch of conditions and with your friends as you try to survive and you get like back injuries and you lose sanity. Um, you might try to get a, um, when you're acquiring assets, you might try to get a bank loan and then you'll get like a, uh, a debt condition. And then if you mess up the debt condition, that can become a dark pact. And it's just like this crazy, um, sequence of sequence of events that can happen. Um, another asset, which is a value of three. So you would need three successes on a, on acquire assets action that tests influence. And this would be an ally called the Lodge Researcher. It, and it says, if you defeat a monster during a combat encounter, recover one sanity and gain one clue. So during the encounters, if you're if you're on the same space, the same spot as a monster, then you're gonna have to encounter that in a combat encounter. And the way that works is, let's say the monster has um, two strength on its card. So when you test strength, you'll need at least two successes out of your strength to not be harmed. And then each additional success beyond the monster's um, strength level 
will it will lose one health f for each um, success you get above the monster's initial strength. So let's say it has two strength, you have six strength like Trish Scarborough because of her um, asset, and she let's say you roll six dice, you get four successes in a monster with two strength will lose um, two health because you know the level of successes is two above the monster's strength and that's why it's really good to have a character to um, be able to take on the monsters because there's some characters that are really good but they just can't really fight the monsters yeah there are a lot of strategies in this game sure and it's different with different levels of players if you're on a sea space or a wilderness space or a general city space, then you'll have the general encounter. And each of these has its own deck. And there's a different deck for Latin America. Not not just Latin America, but includes San Francisco, Arkham, and Buenos Aires. There's another one, Europe, that includes London, Rome, and Istanbul. There's another one that includes, there's a different deck that includes Tokyo, Shanghai, and Sydney. This is a pretty epic game. Even if you don't necessarily win, it is very satisfying and fun to um, go on different adventures and these different encounters, improve your character. And I have only won once because I will warn you this game is um, kind of difficult in the sense that if you don't know how to play, then there's kind of a learning curve. But once you learn, it's really not too crazy. And then the third phase is the mythos phase, which is, this can be very terrible, actually, because when you have a mythos card, it may not really do anything, or it also could, like, destroy everyone's health and sanity. Um, I brought up a mythos card as an example that says, Heart of Corruption. You compare the picture in the magazine to the drawing on the old tether map. It was definitely a match, but what could be so valuable that it required so much secrecy and why was that particular point on the map marked with blood? The event is the lead investigator gains one artifact, then rolls one die. On a one or two, he loses two health and two sanity. And so this is kind of like one of those that it is kind of good because the artifacts are very good. And the artifact is something I'm not going to really talk about because if you get the game, then you can learn about it. But Mythos cards also spawn different effects. Like this one says spawn monsters, spawn clues. And that would spawn monsters as listed on the icon reference card. So, like, let's say that there are six players. Then you would end up spawning two monsters and for each gate. It does really suck um, because during the mythos phase, that's where the gates are spawned. And that's where the monsters spawn through the gate. Like, that's how the monsters get in the game when the gate is spawned. Um... Because you may be trying to improve your strength in Sydney, and then all of a sudden there's like monsters in Sydney. There's nothing you can really do to improve your strength unless you actually defeat the monster and close the gate, which is hard to do both. Those are the three phases, just to recap. There's the first phase is action phase, and you can, as I mentioned, you can travel one space, and if you have a one thing I didn't mention actually is that if you have a travel ticket, like a, a boat ticket or a rail, railroad ticket, then you can use both of your actions to 
move two spaces. Um, another action you can do is acquire assets, which tests your influence, and the number of successes you get determines if you can get a asset from the reserve. And some of these assets are very good, by the way. You can also trade with another investigator. That this investigator has to be in your space. You can trade spells, assets, and you can only trade spells and assets, I believe. And you can also trade like travel tickets and clues as well, actually. Um, I believe that that's all for the action phase. So some actually, um, th there's also the character actions, like Trish Scarborough can gain a clue if she doesn't have any as an action, and these are considered actions. And then some spells are considered actions. You can get spells in Arkham and Buenos Aires. Then we talked about the encounter phase, which you can encounter um, different cities to, to try to improve your character. We mentioned that uh, Istanbul, for example, improves your influence. Um, Rome imp improves your will. And then, of course, like Arkham and Buenos Aires, in this encounter phase, you can get spells. You can also encounter a what's called the expedition token. When you're, there's one spot this expedition token would be on. And then if you're on the spot, then you can try to get the artifacts from it. And there's a special um, expedition deck you'll draw from to determine if you get the artifact. And you can also, during the encounter phase, you have combat encounters, which, is, which determines if you decrease a monster's health or you can even defeat it. Also in the action phase, in the encounter phase would be other world encounters, which is when you try to close a gate. Typically, like you don't just try to close a gate at random. Like you would need probably one clue usually, and it's helpful to have a character with high will and high lore to do this. And once it gets to the mythos phase, that's where um, gates are spawned, monsters are spawned. Whatever the effect of the uh, Mythos card says, you will read that. Another thing I did not mention is that there's a an omen track, and each city has its own omen. And once an omen is advanced to a particular point, um, let's say there's this like red-looking omen. And if there's a city with that logo on it and the omen is advanced to the red one, then if there's one city, the doom will advance by one. And once it gets to zero, once the doom gets to zero, you can still win, but it's way harder to win. And you have to get like, you have to solve all four mysteries instead of just three, which is significantly harder. And one thing is that if you do lose all health or all sanity, you can still play, but you just have to be a different character. Um, so this game is somewhat complicated, but I would say it's definitely worth it. It's not that expensive. If you are into fantasy, sort of supernatural thriller type of games, even if you don't really play board games, like I would recommend this. Um, if you have, especially if you have other friends who would be interested in it, um, you can have some really epic moments. And like I remember, one time we were like all getting like back injury conditions and just barely hang on for life, for dear life. And um, 
Like, we actually didn't finish the game, but it was still, like, really fun, I would say. It's fun to strategize about what we're going to do. And just experiencing the different characters' effects. And I, I feel like it's really hard for this game to get old. Because there's so many different possibilities. Like, there's no one possibility to do. There's no one, like, best way to do things. There are also four different ancient ones this comes from, and there are like eight different expansion packs, and I don't have any expansion packs, but one day it would be cool to try out a couple of them. I think that's going to be all for today. You're at the Secret Society of Marauders, but thank you for listening. I'll post some links on more about Eldritch Horror if you're interested in learning more about this game, and potentially if you want to purchase it and if you end up do playing it, like due to this podcast, that'd be pretty epic. And I'd love if you had, uh, if you would contact me on Twitter, or I'll put my email down below. Um, all right, peace out.